Hey everyone, um, this is I'm Chris. This is Olivia, my good friend Olivia JT, and this Hello. you're now watching slash listening to a special episode slash segment of the NRVR podcast um, slash YouTube channel. If you're listening to this via podcast, I highly recommend you check this out on YouTube because this is going to be a bit more of a visual conversation that we're going to have, um, and we're going to stay extra focused today, and we're going to talk about UX in VR. And Perfect. what better uh, way to talk about UX and this in this volumetric medium while using it? Right. it and so and so, I figured we could, uh, you know, pick up on pillow fight. Pillow, yeah, we can definitely have a pillow fight. Um, but um, I figured we could definitely start off with uh, we got these little markers here. Here's one for you, sir. Sure. And here's another one. And there's an eraser there, so now we can actually erase if we have to. Um, mm -hmm. And so and so yeah. Uh, uh, what I wanted it to talk about, since you're someone who's already published a VR game slash experience on Steam, um, you have that uh, experience under your belt, so you know um, what users and players actually uh when they give you feedback like all these different things like it I, it's it's something that i want to go deeper into and like and explore inside your mind for those who sure. don't know olivier is a creator of synthesis universe and right now synthesis universe episode 0000 is out on steam so check sure. that out um without spoiling it too much um uh, i would say that synthesis universe is basically a beautiful expression of what is inside Olivia's mind. And uh, you <laughs> definitely want to check it out. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, but now we're going to talk about how it was created and, and going behind the scenes. And the first question I have for you, sir, is when, you, when I'm in there, when I'm inside a synthesis universe, what is the feelings, what is the emotions that you want me to have? What are you going for? So the first approach that I had was to immerse you into something completely new uh, in, in terms of uh, U UX, user experience, user interface. Uh, so, so there's no, the goal was really to design something where the user want to figure out uh, how he's going to interact with things. What is the language used to, to um, to have that uh, communication between the experience and the user so he can uh, understand what's happening and, and be part of it. And, and so it and so you're basically, tr just to go deeper in that, when I'm in there, you want me to feel like this is something I've never seen before, like nothing I've ever experienced before. Like there's no, and so in, 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 in a way, it's a sort of like this very uh, profound exploratory um, game slash experience, and would you call it a game or an experience? How would you? How would you? You know, not a, not necessarily a game. It's more an experience, something that you you live through, and and you have a story that that is being told through music. Uh, and so the the one of the very important aspect for me to keep the user uh, inside that universe was to make. Uh, n a non-visible or non-existent interface. So when you enter here in, in VR, most uh, experience 
have calibration, set your height, uh, have a menu, a laser pointer, and then you choose your settings and everything, or you start, you pause, uh, you replay, you go back, and all that I wanted to be something part of of the place, so little uh, element that, that I have to to teach uh, the, the user, uh, hey, if you look at this or if you do this, then that kind of thing will happen. And you do it without using text, which is really novel. Yes. Yeah, like that's, and, yes. I, and I yeah. imagine that's also really difficult because, you know, navigating a place like VR chat or basically any other VR game slash experience, you, you, um, we tend to use text uh, almost as a crutch. And and sure, and you sure. and you're tackling this from a very difficult position because you're trying to create this universal language of interaction yeah. that anyone can understand. And are you trying to create something wherein it's almost like a puzzle where you want people to actually think, or do you want it to just click right away? Like, what is that approach there? So the um, one of the approach of not having any text is translation. That was the, the, the big goal. So you don't have to to do to translate it to French, German and, and all the other language out there. So if you get as a indie developer, if you get rid of any text that you have to translate, that's a huge part of the of the work that is off. Uh, so there's, there's a production side to it. But the other aspect is really to try to find something that is completely international with with colors with shapes and so define a sort of language that that people uh, won't need their own native language to understand not only colors and shapes but also sounds because it is a musically yes. driven experience and so like talk to more talk to me more about the sound design like um what sorts of like, are you getting, are you drawing from nature? Are you drawing from like cyberpunk future? What is it? Are you drawing from like this more alien world-like kind of fantastical yeah. experience? What, what is what is driving the sound design? So, the, the sound is the, the, the way uh, Synthesis Universe uh, stories are told are through music. And so I have many story elements that happened to the characters and important events that I want to tell. And, and these... Uh, I have I have a musician and, and another musician. We work together, and so he he give me some some music, and then uh, from from the list of music he give me, he I'm, I'm able to to think through all these and think like oh that music will be good for that event and that will be nice for that other area. So in the end, I shuffle all this to make. Uh, to make use of them, but it's not the inspiration really come from a conversation between uh, me and, and, and the musician. So the, the, the process is really, because I've built so much, so much things, uh, I, I usually tell them, I would like to build uh, uh, that part of the story. This is happening during the story. And he already have an idea of the visual, but then he gets inspired with his visual. And then when he made a first draft, I, I can tackle the event uh, based on the, the structure of the music. And then sometimes there's a little bit of adjustment because there's a, 
a beat that is at the end and I want something that is more crescendo uh, and, and so we, we edit a little bit but then it's a back and forth between a musician and, and, and me. Wow, but you're leading the way. You're 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 giving him. So if I understand it correctly, you're sort of give him um, the sort of the blueprint, the template, the rough, big picture idea visually, and he translates that into music, and then you listen to it, and then you sort of like adapt or change around the final product to form the sort of dialectic. Yes. So yeah, I give him some really broad strokes because I want the the musician to be free to create and to be freely inspired so he has he has the choice of of instrument of patterns of musical note and sequence and pretty much the structure at the beginning but then the 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 idea is i want every note every pattern every music to be represented in into the the experience so once he has made something, then I have to to think about oh he made that little drum that little kick drum here. What is, what is it going to be inside uh, that experience? So I decompose completely everything and put visual and then build uh, the whole animation, the whole special effect and assign a note, a pattern or an instrument or even a track to one particular uh, element. It's, it's a crazy amount of work. Talk to me more about the design iteration workflow. Like... Because um, I'm sure you're working on episode zero one right now, or uh, what this, sure. the next. Yeah. And so, um, how are you taking what you're learning from the feedback that you're getting, and integrating that into your design process slash workflow for the next episode? So the, the the goal for me, because this is a very long term plan, I have one story to tell, but there are other stories and things. So the, the goal for episode zero was to reach a point. So first was to release something. So go through the process of releasing and, and going through the technical requirement from the store and all the, the you know, the annoying aspect uh, and, and difficult aspect to be able to release. But episode zero is, is an introduction uh, for the user, sure. But for me, it's it has lead, I have several years of development that lead me to to the achievement of episode zero. So during that time, I built all the tool, all the grammar, everything I need to build all the, the other episodes. So the, the my my inner frame is completely built. The language is built. I know how the UI looks. And, and I have many, many things that are not in episode zero that are completely done. And I just need to, to get some music and then... Uh, the tools that I've developed over the years uh, are ready to to expand and make all the other stories. And and so, do you um, just going deeper into analytics and user research? Who, hmm. how how does, for example, with like web web development, like you have uh, a page. And there's heat maps and people, uh, designers, product managers, all the above, they look at heat maps, like where is the user focusing the most of their inten intention on? And so, oh, it looks like right. they're on the homepage or they're looking on the about page. Is that something that would be useful for you in VR? And if so, I mean, I, I'm not very familiar with Unreal because you're using Unreal Engine to develop. Like, does Unreal provide sure. that or Steam provide something like that? Like some form of heat map to see 
No. No. Okay. No, I, I, I don't work that way because the I'm, I'm using in a way the, the language of movies, and and if you create any kind of visual, even movies or or, or 2D like an artwork, you work with composition. So you work with a place. You know, for example, that user uh, are the eyes are uh, attracted to uh, bright areas or something that moves. If I'm here and I do this, you will automatically look at my hand because it's the only thing that is that is moving. So the the composition of of uh, of what I'm doing is completely based on this, but. It's more difficult because it's all around you uh, in 360. So the cues are not only uh, visual because some things can happen behind. So I use audio for, for this. 3D audio is, is a very important part of, of doing that kind of work. But the lead is really to, to make a structure with the music and everything. So I, I design things so I know where the user is going to look. Uh, so I, I sometimes use some plays that are uh, desaturated with less color or less detail and things that are moving very bright and the audio over there. So people, I know people will, will look at the direction, but this is not uh, an exact science and everybody's going to be different. And that was the, the, the reason I was, I did a lot of user testing and that's something you absolutely need to do. And user testing is not something uh, you can do remotely, uh, like you know, with heat graph and and, and 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 that kind of stuff, you need to be physically present and look at the behavior of the person uh, because some people will be scared uh, by something and some people will think it's beautiful. So they are very different things depending of the the user background. Uh, uh, but I need to make sure that they uh, they all understand and they all um, are their gaze and their behavior are lead. Uh, by my my design so mm. user testing is a big part of it yeah and user testing involved a lot going to a lot of meetups and yes being in person with other people and watching those behaviors happen in real time yeah. which was yeah. uh it's completely key yeah yeah yeah. i, I want to for those who are listening this is the part where it gets a little bit more visual so i'm gonna draw something out that i'm curious to see if you can help me figure out and that is like, so sure. you got this, you got a, 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 an area, right? And you got your player right there. So that's your player. Right. And then you got, yeah. and you got, and so their gaze is in this direction for now, right? They start out with, yep. with their gaze in this direction. And, sure. and, and so, and so you only got this small space to work with. And I'm thinking about like, right. what shapes, like circles, squares, like, does it even matter um, what colors are you finding out are most useful? And and when you got 3D audio playing in the in, behind them, like like how do you not let these things get away, uh, get in the way of the other? Like for example, like especially when you have a musically driven experience and it's a sound driven experience sure. at the same time, and it also has to be visually beautiful and enticing. Like how do you how do you allow players to enjoy themselves, but when you want to bring them in a particular direction, how do you separate, you know, what you want them to do from the noise, for ex you know, sure. so to speak? So when, when, when you start any VR experience, the issue I had was if you start in your play area, you know, 
I don't know where the user is going to have his headset because, you know, this is a physical space. So maybe the player will be here, the headset, and then he's going to pick it up here. And then he's going to look in that direction or in that direction. Or this is something that I, I, I don't know. So the first thing I did, and it's the first thing you, you will experience in SU, was when you pick up the headset, there's a, a little synthesizer that runs uh, with a little LFO. LFO is some, a sound that is repeated on a loop, and that loop can, can change in, in duration. Uh, and so the, the, the idea was uh, when the user is looking around, there's that sound that is really slow. Let's say I want the user to look at your face. So the goal would be you start here, and then you will have three circles that are going to lead you here to over there. So if I look here, it's going to be boop, 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 And then the user will know and will look at the circle. And then when the circle are to a certain range, I use the value of everything to validate, like if you click on a button. So I know at that moment that he look exactly there because it has triggered an event. And then from there, I know that the user is going to be exactly at the center of the room and looking over there. So from there, I can design the thing in the field of view and then lead, lead him to, here's the title. Wow, it appears and the audio comes in and the lights comes in. And then you have your little interaction right in front of you, just at the bottom that comes and light up. So I know it's going to be in the field of view and then I can lead the way from a starting point to, to an end. No, that's really clever. I that is really clever, and because we are doing something that strays away from convention, you know, like a lot of sure. VR games, they just use arrows, and they're like, "Go look at that yeah. thing, look at that thing." But you're using this like. If if you look at VR chat, for example, when you put the headset on, you put it on, and then you have the menu that is somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right, and then it asks you for your login or welcome to VR chat, but you're like, "Okay, where's the menu?" I'm space and it's oh here's something right so me i'm using like audio cue and visual cue to tell you it's this way look here and constantly doing that kind of stuff yeah it's vr chat and a lot of other experiences are trying to uh, use familiarity like oh i'm very familiar with sure. like a flat plane with that says world yeah. avatar social and oh it look it highlights with the laser pointer but no you're you're going <laughs> the thing that i hate Yeah, which is, which yeah. is difficult because you're creating something that has to be universal and yet no one has seen before, right? Like you're trying to, yeah, yeah. and in the span of like however long they want to spend, they're, they're going to spend their time in there. You need to teach them this whole new language yeah. of interaction, which is not yeah. an easy feat. <laughs> no. It, And The other aspect that, that I really wanted to get rid of was, for example, you have, I guess you have index controller? Or yeah, I got controller? the index, yeah. So if I, if I tell you press A button, you have no idea, right? Press yeah. X. Yeah. You have no idea. You have to take off your headset. Oh, yeah, I literally had to look. Or, yeah, or, or in game, sometimes you look at your controller and then it hi highlights. And for me, that takes you completely off from your, the reality you want to create. So not using any button uh, is, is key to that or making it really smart. If you, if you demo to your grandparent or whatever and you they don't even know what a gamepad is and, and you say, hey, uh, press X, what? Press the trigger, what? 
you know. And then you have to explain them, take their hands, show them physically, be here, or they cannot do anything. What is, so, that's interesting. And so, like, in the, talk to me more about what VR brings to the table for SU that regular pancake mode can't do for you right now. Like, what is it about VR for you that, like, and I'm sure this is something that we might have touched up, touched on like years ago in our first episode. But you know, let's revisit that question. <laughs> what is what is it sure. so far after all these years you're discovering or rediscovering or you're uh, reinforcing that VR brings to the table that you can't do on pancake mode? So it's completely the the feeling of immersion of be, and being there, being surrounded by by a place and being able to walk around and 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 have the physicality of it you know being able to to walk and and have look look at things around and being being really in control of 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 the view is one the, the second one is of course related to that is the sense of scale and depth and you know the 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 lovely parallax that you can get if you just move like this and you have the plants it, it completely gives you a sense of, of depth and the 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 last thing is probably not the most important one is really 3D audio because uh, if you are uh, 3D audio, you need some headphones that are head tracked. And if you look at your screen, uh, flat screen, and you have a, uh, a headphone that is tracked through track AR or that kind of stuff, and if you want to look on the side, then you don't see your screen anymore. So the, the feeling of having an audio behind you, you know, just, just some sound, some hint, some sound that flying over is really uh, it's it's a really a new way to experience music because the, the thing about SU is really about music it's a it's a musical civilization and I really wanted to to have music that has uh, physicality space location and and really that sense of surrounding you not not you know you uh, listening to stereo music or things like that mm, yeah it must be. It must be really interesting. And going back to interaction design, it must be really interesting to come up with this visual language because you just because it's something that struck stuck with me just now was how you you were using sound to guide people, and sure. um, and so I'm wondering also how you've used animation. Like I'm used to these days. I'm used to like uh, seeing those like wheel menus where like it's like a it's like a it's like sort of like it starts here and then it loads up and then it, you're just sort of watching it load and like but yeah. how do you for example translate that into su like how do you you know like in how many inner 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 iterations did you go through like because i'm sure you were watching people <laughs> yeah like you're watching people yeah. in real time try it out and maybe they weren't getting it can you talk yeah. about some of those challenges Sure. So the, when, when you design any kind of experience, if you relate to how you are going to start an event, uh, and an event it w- would be user-triggered, tr- so something that you want the user to do, but you want to make sure he did it on purpose. And that's very easy with a button, because you can tell him to press A, and then you have the event of pressing A, you know exactly that he did it, or the double-click, or stuff like that, or please press A for three seconds. 
So that's the thing that I needed to emulate to make sure, for example, if I have a button, to I want the, the user to be looking uh, at some specific spot, you know, he can just gaze over. And if he gaze over and, and trigger the thing, he will look over there and the thing will be triggered. So it's completely going to miss miss mm. anything. So SU is mostly gaze-based. So you have that kind of, imagine like you have a, a sort of laser pointer attached to your to your head. So when you look at some things, I, I have to, to make sure that this thing reacts fast and very obviously to the user. So when he look at them, boop, there's something happening. Oh, I look at that and this has, it has moved, it has shine and there's little particle effect that give you a sense of animation. And once I have captured that gaze, I, I design other elements to tell him, oh, now that you, are, you see that you can interact with this, please look at me longer. Look at me longer until this is triggered, right? Mm. So, for example, in, in um, uh, the, the, the interaction that I have for... for uh, I'm not sure if the camera is going to be able to see the ground. I, so I'm gonna oh, yeah, I can here. see it. Uh-huh. Um, so I want the user to press uh, a button it's going to be a play button, you know? So I use mm-hmm. a common symbol like the arrow that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And that button has, uh, you know, uh, a sort of highlight and it's shut down right now. So the user is going to look at here, uh, this way, this direction, the user, the user is right here. So when he look at this, immediately the thing begins to highlight and then it rise when you continue to look at it. And because it rise with the audio and the and a certain level, I know that I want the user to be able to have the the play button to be here. So he look at it, it goes and it validates. And when it's validated, it come back. And then I, I know that the user really wanted to press that play button in a way. And you know what's interesting? Uh, quit- the, sorry to interrupt, but you know what's interesting is when that happens um, and you take your gaze away, the play button drops. And so you're sort of like yes. thinking, oh, hey, it dropped. Let me look at it again. It, oh, it's picking up again. I mean, I'm going to follow it now because every right. time I, do, I, I, I move my gaze away, you know, it's, it's, it's moving. It's doing something. And so... Absolutely. And the other aspect is time. So, so when all the interaction that I use, I use probably something like three seconds. So when the user is used, I'm trying to get the user... Uh, know that that lapse of time, three seconds, is standard for for interaction. So if he has to look at something, a creature, or something that is in the background, maybe if he look at it, at it like three seconds, he will have a reward. That kind of stuff. Wow, um, Olivia, I I think I think we had a really good conversation here. I think we're gonna start bringing things down to a close. This is a a quick quick segment of just user interaction user experience and with olivier the living legend the creator of synthesis universe (laughs) (laughs) um thank you so much brother thank you so much for being on on this special segment slash episode if people really want more of this we'll keep making them and hopefully you can come back and we'll talk even more about sure sure um your beautiful mind that you were expressing into the metaverse how can people stay in touch and how can people follow up with what you're doing these days so I'm especially live on Twitter, uh, Olivier JT underscore SU. Uh, but you know, I'm always my DM are, are open. So if anybody want to talk to me, uh, 
or ask me question about UI and or anything, anything. I'm always ready to to share the knowledge, and it's it's a pleasure to talk to you about about all this. So thank you for the invitation, and and I hope people will find this interesting and and indeed want want more because the you know the difficult part is there's still uh, uh, many things to be done in VR and that language to become. Uh, universal and, and and then people can make their own content based on the knowledge of of the user not st- uh, starting from scratch and it's exciting because we're watching it right here unfold in front of us like <laughs> with you yes. and the and all the thousands and would you say there's thousands of vr developers now i would i would say there's at least a couple thousand vr developers probably but you know the community over the years has thinned down mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, but there's still you're still charting this new medium and it's still in this like I would say it's like this new stage of the brave new world, but it's definitely new still and <laughs> yes. it's you're yeah. definitely charting the uncharted, which is awesome. I really appreciate your time. Um thank you everyone for watching. I'll catch you at the next one.